Hey gang, I'm Nikki LaCroce, and you're listening to Who the Fuck? A show that explores the power of human connection and the profound resilience of the human spirit through compassionate conversations that help you better understand yourself so you can live with the sense of peace, purpose, and joy that you deserve. Each episode offers a safe space for guests to share intimate details of their personal journey and lessons learned along the way as we all seek to answer life's most important question. Who the fuck am I? Hi, I'm Nikki LaCroce and you're listening to Who the Fuck. On today's episode, I'm sharing the mic with Dr. Nicole Bradford. Dr. Bradford is an author, life coach, and speaker that enjoys speaking to women across the world about living as you've coined it, an audaciously authentic life. So welcome to the show, Nicole. I'm really excited to have you here and for our listeners to learn more about you and your personal mission and to promote your business, Maintain the Flame. Can you share a little bit more around the significance of the name of your business and how it came to be? Sure. And thank you so much for the opportunity to join you today. Um, Maintain the Flame is a business that I came up with in 2018. I am the youngest of six children. My parents had five girls and one boy. And my sister, number five, passed away unexpectedly in a freak car accident at the age of 48. So she was in the process of planning for her 50th birthday party. And she was all excited about that. And she had just retired and only had been retired for a few months. And then her life was taken. And so it gave me an opportunity to think back to maintain the flame. When we were younger, we had so much zest for life, so much excitement for life. We didn't care who was around. I throw on my Michael Jackson or my Cindy Lauper, and I would just jam out and have a great time. But then as we transition into our adult life, our flame kind of dwindles, and sometimes we tend to suppress it depending on who we were around. So for me, it was transitioning into I am with my high school sweetheart and so trying to fit in with my in-laws. And that was difficult because we have in our mind the type of daughter-in-law you should be. These are our holidays and this is how you should conduct yourself. And so I was rejected there growing up as I became an adult with my siblings being the only one that went to college. There was a lot of sibling rivalry there and I was rejected there. You think you're better than us. You talk too proper. You don't fit there. And then you go into your career world. And you have challenges at work. If you stand up for what you believe in, oh, you're rocking the boat. Just sit down and go along to get along. And so I thought about all of the trials and tribulations people go through throughout life. Do you truly live the life that you want? the life that you desire, or are we just conforming to what everyone else wants? And so my sister didn't have an opportunity to live out all the goals and aspirations that she wanted because at times she was being her authentic self. And then other times she was conforming so much that she truly didn't get to live out her dreams and her goals. And so I just want to encourage people to maintain your flame for life. That fire you had when you were younger, don't suppress it depending on who you're around or what other people think about you. Be authentic and be authentic for yourself so you can design the life that you want. I love that. And I love how eloquently you've stated all of that. I think one of the hardest things when it comes to growing up and having that ability to 
showcase your authentic self is the fact that we often don't even really know what that means. You touched on the point that we have a lot of societal expectations, a lot of familial expectations. And there's also, I think, a little bit of the unspoken layer, which is something that I lean into fairly significantly in in life now after going to therapy long enough to realize it's this concept of the generational trauma and the lack of emotional intelligence for some of the older generations. And part of me feels inclined to give the disclaimer and the understanding to them that they weren't equipped with the things that we have today to be able to understand that. Um, I think to your point, it requires us to dull our flames a bit to be able to adhere to those expectations or demands. And so I really applaud you for going the path that you have and for really acknowledging the importance that your sister's life and also passing, and I'm very sorry for your loss of the sudden passing of a close relative is something I'm unfortunately familiar with having lost my mom. It certainly was the impetus for shifting my perspective in a lot of ways. And I respect and appreciate your desire to, to have your legacy also really be intertwined with hers. Yes. That's very important because as you shared and back in the day, you know, they did the best that they could with what they had for my parents. And I brought my parents down here in 2019 to live with me. I lost my dad in 2021 and I just lost my mom in April of 2022. I'm so sorry. I have to interject. I, it's just like the cutting feeling and the knowing of that. I really appreciate that you emanate such an inherent joy when you speak and just your energy, because those are very trying moments in our lives. And I think one of the really important things and what you acknowledge, and as we get further into the conversation, people will inherently see and hear is just that in some ways that type of loss also revives you. Yes. It does. And that's what it does for me. Because when it first happened, it was a huge blow. My parents had been together since they were 14 years old. They passed within 10 months of each other and they were married for 61 years. And so the wind beneath my wings, as they say, you know, I was just trying, I was loving life and had some great accomplishments, but I feel that my wings were clipped because they were both taken and they've gone on. And those are the ones that would cheer me on and be there to encourage me. And they're no longer here. But then I also had to take time to reflect that it's a part of me to continue their legacy and all of the lessons that they taught me so that I can help and inspire someone else during their times of need. That's one of the important things too to acknowledge when we think about how we can actually create more awareness for the people around us from those experiences. It leads nicely into the nature of where you are today and the work that you're doing. So you have your doctorate in education, correct? Correct, yes. And so you've worked in the field in a variety of roles. Professor, vice president of student services, teacher, Mm -hmm. assistant principal, campus principal. How do you feel that those experiences influenced the path that you ultimately took to start your own business? Well, because I know what those individuals in the education field, what they experience, I have a great passion and desire to work with a lot of the underrepresented or disenfranchised youth. Because in my life growing up, of course, I wasn't the smartest one in the classroom. I was 
always the underdog. And so I like to keep those students encouraged and motivated because, you know, they'll look at what's going on and say, I don't want to be in school. It's not going to pay off. But even for those that have some challenging times, I don't want them just to fall in line because society tells you to. College may not be for everyone. You can still be successful. And I know that a lot of people don't want people to say that, especially in education, but it's more important to be genuinely happy because what are you doing for yourself? If you go through life saying, okay, I did what this person wanted me to do, check that box. And I did what this person wanted, but when did you have time to do what you wanted to do? And as an educator, I've seen so many students and I've run across so many that'll talk to me and they'll say, I'm really stressed out because my parents want me to do X, Y, and Z, but this is what I really want to do. But they don't want to disappoint their parents. So they're going through the motions. And that at the end of the day, is that truly okay for our students? And I know that everyone's life is different, but give them an opportunity to identify and create the life that they want. Because a lot of adults, you've lived your life. You were able to choose your mate. You were able to choose your job. You had choices, but then I understand we come from the, a great place because we want what's best for them, but because of all the stress that I've had on my life and the trials and tribulations I've been through, I take a step back as a parent and I have three amazing children, but I always tell them, do what makes you happy because you're not helping me by doing something that you think I want you to do. If you want to be a clown, I tell you what, I'm going to be at every performance. I'm going to be at every circus and I'm going to be the loudest one in the audience because you're going to be happy. And at the end of the day, you have to pay your bills. I'm not paying your bills. <laughs> so I'm going to support you so that you can have the life that you desire. That's just such an impactful statement. And again, you just speak so beautifully about it and with such enthusiasm. Um, I, your kids clearly have a very great role model in their home. And I feel like you must absolutely bring that energy to the rest of your business. So you also do life coaching and speaking and consultation as well. You've created, it sounds like, really an environment around yourself, whether that's professionally or personally, that gives people a chance to really look inward and question the why behind what they're doing. And that's something that for me personally was really critical to formulating mm -hmm. a sense of that authentic self. And, you know, you made a really interesting point at the beginning around how we quickly cultivate sort of a sense of who we are in alignment with what the world is around us and not necessarily yes. who we feel ourselves to be based on your experience within the education system and, and really being, it sounds like, pretty front and center at the point in time where a lot of us are grappling with a feeling yes. of wanting to fit in but not fitting in or mm -hmm. wanting to have a unique sense of self but feeling like that wouldn't be accepted or would potentially damage our ability to have friends in the capacity that we might mm -hmm. want to. Now, granted, I think as an adult, I look at that and I think, how great are your friends if you don't feel like you can be your authentic self? But I think when you're younger, it's a lot harder to establish that sense of awareness about what the outcome of compromising that 
part of you is. How do you feel your experience in the education system, to come back to my original question, really influenced your perspective on this and how you show up now and with your kids? Well, I think it has had a great impact on my life. Being in the school system, even at lunch, I'll walk around and there'll be students that are sitting by themselves and they're kind of scarred or embarrassed or they don't want to be around other people because they just don't fit in. And so having those one-on-one conversations with kids make a difference because it's very tough. And I say this all the time, just today for no reason, I'm just sitting here and I'm like, I miss my babies and they're 25, 21 and 19. And it's taking those moments because you never know what your kids or your spouse or other people are going through. And so walking up to the kids in the cafeteria and giving them some encouraging words or, hey, I like that jacket and we're sitting down. Can I sit here and have lunch with you? And then everyone's like, Dr. B, what are you doing over there? And so the table's full now, but everyone, no one wants to be rejected. If you're honest about it, everyone wants to feel that they belong somewhere. And so today I just took time and I said, you know what? I miss my babies. And I just made this post because we wait for birthdays. We wait for graduations. We wait for our man-made holidays. Oh, today is daughter day or flower day, whatever it is. (laughs) So we want to tweet or whatever on those special days. But sometimes you don't know how a kind word can make a difference. So I just did a post on my babies that to let them know I'm proud of you because children today have so many distractions and it's so hard just to be a child. And a lot of us, I didn't grow up with a cell phone in school. I didn't grow up with TikTok and all those people in class. And just imagine the bullying, the tension, the judgment that's going on all the time. It's very difficult. So I think it's important that we utilize those moments to encourage others. And you mentioned the life coaching. I have a client that I've been working with for some time. She's in the New Jersey area. I'm in Texas, beautiful young lady, and she's an attorney. You would think, oh my gosh, she's got it all together. This is amazing. She's struggling so much because she said at times she would say, I can't put a tattoo on my body or I can't get a piercing. And this, she's an adult and she's living her life. But she's worried about what other people are going to think of her, but most importantly, her thoughts from her parents. And so we've talked about that and we've processed that. And then, of course, being told if you touch your body, you're going to hell and that's not the right thing to do. So we've had to have those courageous conversations that this is your life. You get to determine what you want to happen for your life. And just make sure you're aware of your decisions. You're not hurting anyone else, but you're enjoying yourself and you're doing something. Because if not, you'll live a life full of regrets. And who wants that? I almost feel like we just need you to get on the largest platform possible and say all of this because (laughs) it's so true. I think about that comment around wanting to get a tattoo or a piercing. And my partner and I were actually just talking about this the other day because I have tattoos that are visible on my arms. And so it's like, I, for a long time, was very conscious of where I would put them. That feeling of, oh, I shouldn't express myself this way. I shouldn't do the thing that feels right to me because it will leave other people with this impression that may or may not adequately fit the reality of who I am or their interpretation of who I am. And so I think it's an interesting concept to really acknowledge how 
we still have those moments of hesitation that factor into those decisions that we make as adults. And I, I realized in the past few years, especially having gone through a lot that I had spent a lot of time really making myself super uncomfortable for the Mm -hmm. sake of everybody else feeling comfortable. And it was like, there's a difference between compromising because that's the thing that we do as human beings. And you want to be able to be fair and adjust when it's necessary or the right thing to do. But constantly sacrificing your comfort and your sense of self and your well-being, emotional, mental, physical, because somebody else is telling you it makes them uncomfortable is honestly just so absurd when you say it out loud. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) And at times it frustrates me because I think so many times we're not being real about the situation. We want everyone to be perfect in an imperfect world. And that's not realistic. Someone's thinking the exact same question, but you have the courage to say it out loud. So why does that make it wrong? Because you're courageous enough to say what others are thinking and that we need to discuss. We're not perfect people. And I think that's where we lose the time that we have to enjoy life and to be in the moment because we're so stringent. And it has to be this certain way all the time. So when do you get to be yourself? When you go home and go in your bedroom, close the door and then say, okay, hey, Nicole, what's going on? I want to live life out loud. And the same advice that we give students, and that's one thing that's huge for me. We tell these kids as they're growing up, and we've heard it ourselves, don't worry about what your friend says. Oh, don't care if they're looking at you. But then you become an adult and you're like, if I do this, they're going to say something. How are you going to give advice that you're not willing to take for yourself? So it's important that as we mature, we need to model because kids, you can talk all day. I don't want to hear what you're saying all day. Okay. That sounds good, but look how you're living. You're afraid. You have this shirt that's at the back of your closet that you've been wanting to wear for two years, but you are afraid to put it on because of somebody and what they're going to think of you. Did they buy it? What and like, why do you value their opinion so much if that's going to make you happy? And then later in life, you're going to say, I should have wore that shirt. I should have did a TikTok. I've been wanting to do that forever, but no, I don't want to do it now because my boss may look at it. You're not doing anything inappropriate. You're living your life. Why do you have a life if you're not going to live? Something that you just said, two things, actually, one point about why are you worrying what somebody else is going to say about it, what somebody else's opinion is instead of your own, Um, because that's the thing is we stifle this part of ourselves that we're desperate to feel connected to for the sake of really nothing of merit, honestly, because at the end of the day, Uh, The people who want to be around you, who want to spend time with you, who embrace who you are, they're going to be there. My partner and I were just having this conversation the other day, too, about how, you know, we're the same kind of weird. And thank goodness we found somebody who is going to have the dance parties in the kitchen to oldies with me and the random character voices that come out. And she's like, I feel like anybody else I used to be with hated this. And I'm like, oh, I'm glad that you do it because it makes the fact that I do it feel way less weird. So totally (laughs) fine. I just don't even think about it. When you get to a place where you can show up and also embody your full self without hesitation, like that tells you you're surrounding yourself with the right people. And similarly to what you'd said about trying to accommodate a boss and like, well, what if they see this? I had 
for a long time, not put my podcast on my LinkedIn profile because I've been working in tech for a long time. And same reason I wasn't, you know, getting visible tattoos, having to go to trade shows, do things like this. And then with the podcast, I was like, you know what? I have a pretty wide following on my LinkedIn. What am I concerned about? And the place that I am doing contract work for now, they hired me knowing full well, because it's in my headline, it's in my bio, it's on my page. So they're interested regardless of that, or perhaps even because of that. Right. And so it's like, how many opportunities do we miss because mm -hmm. we don't show up fully instead of thinking, oh, well, what happens if I do show up fully and considering like a negative impact? What happens if you do show up fully and it's a great thing for you or for somebody else who's listening or sees it and is inspired by that? Mm -hmm. I love it. Definitely. We need more of that. Something that really grabbed my attention when I first read your guest bio, when we found each other, was the statement that when we were all young, we had the spark and enthusiasm for life. As we transitioned from our childhood to adulthood, we begin to conform and focus more on meeting everyone else's expectations rather than focusing on our own. And so that's like really the meta statement around what we're talking about here. And it also brings me to a place of like really considering what was I like when I was younger and at what point did I really start to cultivate the sense of who I was around something that didn't feel necessarily true to me, but was just sort of the going through the motions. This is how you do it. And then eventually you get to a place in life and you're kind of like, how did I get here? And do I even want to be here? <laughs> do you feel like there was any moment in your life where you had that realization for yourself that got you to this point? For me, just my experiences in life and even starting with my own family uh, being rejected because I was different. And I, I say that, and I know a lot of people are like, oh, it's okay. It's, you're not really that different, but it rejection hurts. It hurts really, really bad. And even at work, I have people to say, are you always like this? Have you had your coffee? I don't need coffee. I'm good morning. That's just how I am. And those that don't like it, like you say, oh, well, but I even had one of my son's friends and I just, I love children because they're honest and they accept you the way that you are. And they'll tell you the truth no matter what. But my son's friend came up to me one time and he told me, adults are not supposed to act like you. you. They don't act the way you do. And I was like, what do you mean? And he was like, you're out here and you're running with us and playing football and doing all this other stuff. Adults in my house don't act that way. And I wanted my children to see me and I like that my mom is real. I don't have this tight mom that will, oh, you don't say that and you don't, you, we're going to live while we're here. You, we can, our house can be messy, but we'll clean it up because we live here. That's why it's dirty. We're not going to, don't put your feet there. Yes, this is a house. That's what you're supposed to do. But we get caught up in everything that's going around us. And so I just think that's the part that's unfair. And I've just learned it through my journey in life. And I've seen the experiences that students had and being rejected. And I think being rejected time and time again, because I was different, made me say, okay, you can go that way and I'm going to go this way because I choose Nicole. 
I choose to be happy and you don't have to like me. And it felt better when I was around people that actually wanted to be around me than me pretending to fit in with someone else. I'm not a quiet person. At a football game, you're at a game. My face is going to be painted. My son is playing and I'm going to be loud. If you don't like it, scoot over. But I'm at a game. That's just how I live. And even my husband pointed it out. My son is at Angelo State. We travel, I think, to New Mexico or somewhere. Now, we're it's not Texas and it's not close. So it was like maybe 12 of us with all of these other fans. Well, my voice is very loud and I'm like, ooh, and going crazy. And the whole crowd is mocking me. My husband's like, are you kidding me? It's 10 of us. And so one of the parents came down and they were like, wow, and you just keep going. That is my child, his school. I'm going to be the loudest one out here, like it or not. And it was crazy because you guys are at a game and that should be your focus. But you're focused on the oddball, the woman that won't sit down, the one that won't be quiet. And that's how I live my life. So if you want to spend your time focusing on me, you're going to miss the life that you're supposed to be living while I'm living mine. Something that comes to mind when you say that is if you want to spend all this time focusing on me, visit my website and check out my content. Follow me on TikTok. If you're so interested, by all means, please follow for more content. I love that. And I think that it's important to acknowledge the the fact that you'd mentioned this when we first started speaking and just came back to it around that feeling of rejection. And it's not even just a sense of not belonging, but it's actually also a feeling of actively not being wanted. When I started therapy, I remember my therapist making a comment about me wanting to be seen. And I was very skeptical at the time. And it was one of those moments where I rolled my eyes, I scoffed at it. And now we have a good chuckle about it because the amount of times I say things to that effect about people Mm -hmm. wanting to be seen or heard or myself wanting to be seen or heard. It is this innate human need to feel like you are part of something Mm -hmm. And to feel that you are not being rejected just as much. It's an important distinction because you can feel like you don't belong without feeling rejected. And you can also feel like you don't belong and feel rejected. Rejected, Um, (laughs) So I, and I think a lot about just having so much sensitivity to the people that I was interested in, my love interest for Mm -hmm. lack of better term, when I was growing up. And in particular, this feeling of why don't you like me for who I am? Exactly. And thinking something's wrong with me because you don't like me or you're not attracted to me. And so I came out probably in my late teens, early 20s and having a really hard time even acknowledging that I was now having a whole different set of emotions around what I was seeking and how I was trying to fit more into who I am as a person. Um, Mm -hmm. but still carrying a lot of the weight of the bullying from when I was younger or the rejection I received from people I was interested in and just not really having the emotional awareness or capacity to process that and understand it in a way that would have actually been productive because what I did was just internalize all of it, face it inward and be like, you're the problem. You are the reason that like these people aren't interested. And I think that speaks a lot to the dynamics of younger people and Mm -hmm. that feeling of the word that always comes to mind when I think about something like middle school is click. Um, And it's it's profound. It's a feeling of isolation that comes Mm -hmm. from that sense of uh, non-belonging. And now you have this added layer of Mm -hmm. social media 
that sort of proliferates that feeling of non-belonging if you're seeing people who are either congregating and you're not there or even just online communities and being like, well, I want to be part of that, but I'm not, you know? And I'm curious, do you have thoughts on the way technology has affected our ability to communicate as children and or adults and the good and bad on that? Yes. And in my opinion, technology, and I'm sorry, I'm just very old school with that. Number one, because I don't know how to work a lot of stuff. (laughs) I'm telling you, I watched some of those videos. You got, you you figuring it out. Okay. (laughs) My kids are the greatest. But I just think I want to connect more with them. So as old as they are, whenever we travel, I'll tell them, okay, dinner time, there's no phones. We, I need to at least be able to have a conversation with you. And I think technology, it's great in the classroom. Of course, you can help them learn, but then it's also, it could be a distraction. Just imagine teaching and all you hear is do, 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 and you're still up there trying to provide a lesson to students, how many of them are actively engaged in what you're doing and how many of them are still scrolling or doing Snapchat or what have you. And then for adults, we're working 24 seven. We don't ever really put down our devices to give our children our undivided attention. And they really need us. They need that time. And then it affects them in the classroom because you're saying, okay, what in the world does this say? Can you tell me what you just wrote? Because it's all of this TT and LB. And no, that's not how we spell. And it hurts us in the long run. So I just say, take a break from technology. I was very old school at one of my schools when I was a principal because I told parents, I don't want phones in the school. And they were you know, not happy about that. But some parents were texting their kids in school or you have a student a child or a brother or sister in third grade make sure you go by that teacher's class and tell them x y and z or i'm outside i know they are not letting kids out but go ahead and come out this door like no you were okay without a cell phone in school so that technology of course you know the bullying online and the teasing can really harm a lot of children so there are good and bad it gives us the information that we need but also just if we can take a rest on it and give the children an an opportunity to learn and benefit and have some time without technology. Yeah, I love that perspective, Nicole. I think it's important to address the, the value that it provides and also some of the limitations in terms of emotional growth. And maybe limitations might not be the right word, but I think it just makes me consider how we interact when we're speaking to somebody versus texting somebody and just the implication when you can't hear somebody's voice. And because we were talking about social media a little bit, I did want to make a comment that I had seen your TikTok. You had a video that the subject line was teach your kids to communicate. And you describe the concept of lawnmower parents, which I think is brilliant. And so first of all, I'm curious if you came up with that. And if so, can you share a little bit more about how that idea originated and what it means? I've done that a long time ago. I think what I said in that video was mowing down some of the challenges that our kids have for them instead of allowing them to learn 
from their mistakes and from their situations for themselves. Yes, we do have the helicopter parents in the community and in the classrooms, but the lawnmower parents, we feel that I can do it all for you. You don't need to do it yourself. Mommy's got you. And But what are they learning in the process? And so it's very important that you use these situations and these lessons that they go through so that you can be the partner. And at home, this is your training ground. That's what we always say to our kids. We want you to fail forward. We want you to make all the mistakes that you need to make. Do it right here at home while I'm here to support you, but I'm not going to do it for you. We're going to do it together. Yeah. yeah, it actually makes me think of my own parents, in particular, my mom, because she, my whole life had been just such a major advocate for my sister and myself. And mm -hmm. when she passed away, it was honestly one of the most phenomenal things to hear from my friend's parents or my sisters and my friends who are now parents speak to the inspiration that she was as that parent advocate. We have to be able to give kids the opportunity to manage through difficult situations. I'm curious for you, having gone from the education system to where you are now, where do you feel that we are falling short in terms of addressing the needs of our youth? Having transitioned to this position of life coach and speaker where you're seeing both sides of it and you're engaging with both sides yes. of it. The parental side that you're trying to help and cultivate more awareness and growth for them. But then you've also seen how they're mm -hmm. able to work through, you know, th that day-to-day -day trial of being a young person. Well, I would say, like you mentioned, wearing both hats. And from my perspective, especially as a mom, I've been a huge advocate for my children. And at times I've had positive experience and there have been times where I haven't had great experiences, but it's my job. And I think that parents need to understand, even when it's not popular amongst everyone else, you still have to take that step and advocate for your child. You can still be very professional and what you're saying, but make sure that you're speaking up for your kid, because if you don't, no one else will. And I remember when my child, she's 25 now, but she, we were living in Houston at the time and then there was an issue at her school. And one of the parents said, you're going to talk to the principal. I was like, yeah, she's a person just like I am. I most definitely am, but just being courageous. And if it's something that takes you out of your comfort zone, you have to do that for your kids. But on the flip side, I look at everything that we have going on in our society and our children are watching us as adults and they model what you do. So remember, whatever you're saying at home, they're bringing it back to the classroom. So when you're like, oh, you don't have to listen to her because if just have her to call me, the kid is not going to say it. Oh, my mom said, if you don't have a problem with me, please dial 1-800. She's going to say, my mama said and so this is in front of all the other kids. And how does it make the teacher feel? Because your personal opinion of that individual has influenced your child. So just make sure the way that we handle our teachers, especially they're under so much stress. They have a lot on your, their plates. And of course, they're juggling a lot of balls. But having that respect as an adult and telling the kids, you know, I'll handle this, but I still need you to go and do what you're supposed to and show up as a child. 
And most importantly, I think where sometimes where we fail our kids is the pressure that we put on them. And we may not even know that we're putting the pressure on them, but it's so many kids because my mom wants me to major in this, or my mom wants me to dress a certain way, or this is a career that they've wanted for me since I was three. Well, you know what? They can go back to school and get another degree if they'd like, but this is your life. And I think that's so unfair. And then you wonder why you have so much tension in your relationship with your child because you don't have open lines of communication that some of us are still of the mindset, well, I'm telling you because I know what's best, but you're not sitting down and having those conversations with your kids. And I always tell my own children, no matter what it is that you decide to do in life, there's nothing or no one that will keep me away from you because I'd much rather have my child in my life and have those memories and that experience. And or instead of being so stern on, I told you not to work there, or I told you not to date that person. So now you're missing out on all of these memories with me, your grandkids or whatever it is, because you're acting like a two-year-old child and you're supposed to be the adult. So the tantrum you're telling me not to have, you're now having it. And that's a problem. You're hindering my relationship with this person, or you're hindering the choice that I think is best for my life and my career, instead of saying, how can I help? How can I support you? Just because it's not going your way, you're pulling our relationship apart and you're adding the undue stress because you're not getting your way. And I think we need to think about that when we're raising our kids, they already have the bullies. And then to say, I have a parent that I can't that doesn't believe in me or a parent just because I want to try this, they're already writing me off. Nothing should ever get to that point because of your distaste for whatever it is that they're doing. Your love should mean more than anything that your son or daughter or any child can do. (sighs) I just need to digest that for a second because it was really beautifully stated. It frustrates me because parents, you don't see what you're doing to your kids and you've lived your life. And if it's a choice, walk with them on the journey. Do not demand that they're doing what you want them to do and then cut them off. You're you're hurting them in the process and you're missing out on so much. These are some of the most amazing kids and you're missing out on their life because you're selfish. To your point, they're missing out. They're missing out on their own lives because how magnificent is it to be able to see a child become who they truly are? Exactly. If you you set an expectation, that's your expectation. That is something that you have mentally decided, emotionally decided, this is what my child will do. This is who my child will be. And you are stripping them of their ability to actually – explore that and understand that and build that for themselves like your entire youth is a process your entire life let's be real is a process of evolution and i think about this quite often i have a lot of very deep philosophical thoughts and i constantly question why as human beings we have not gotten past this from an evolutionary standpoint when we think about something like darwinism the concept is adapt or die and if you are a human being regardless of your age you should be adapting because otherwise your reality is not 
relevant to the current circumstance. And when I think about how you speak to that with parents wanting to dictate the path that their kids go down, it frustrates the hell out of me too. I'm completely aligned with you on this. So I appreciate <laughs> you being so impassioned about it. Even just growing up, my parents would always say to me, nothing's ever that bad that you can't talk to us. Nothing is ever that bad that you can't talk to us. Now, granted, I felt like there were things that were that bad that I shouldn't talk to them about. I think for me personally, that it would be like, okay, well, I don't want to say something because I don't want to be judged. Mm. I won't say something because I don't want to cause somebody else discomfort. And so even though the words are coming out of their mouth saying, you can talk to us about anything, one of the last conversations I had with my mom before she passed away, the last time I'd seen her in person, I was at my sister's house. I had just left the relationship that I was in and had been staying with my sister. And so she and my dad and I were all sitting at the kitchen table and my dad had said something and I, I got defensive about it. And I just said, you know, this isn't really helpful. So like, I don't appreciate you saying that now in retrospect, he was right. And I just should have yeah. let it be, but I wasn't <laughs> there yet. And my mom, you know, really just was like, let her talk. And she goes, mm -hmm. I just don't understand why you couldn't, why you felt you couldn't share this with us sooner. And this was something that I, very much plagued me in therapy for a while as I was going because I went to therapy for every week for probably almost like three years at that point and I would constantly come back to this feeling of wanting to feel more connected to my mom and not really understanding because my mom has always been there for me she's it's it wasn't an absence it was that feeling of being able to openly express who I am and what's happening in my life without fear of judgment. Yes. And I think it was an extremely poignant moment in my life, especially because it was right before she passed away. And I think how grateful I am that I was able to say, I know a large part of why I didn't say anything to you guys about this was because when I came out to you, your reaction was about you guys. It was mm -hmm. about how you were going to handle it. It wasn't about how hard it was for me to mm -hmm. hide who I was for so long, to go through the motions of coming out to people. The people in my life who care most about me and I care most about, they never would have ever said they'd disown me. And they, to be fair to them, and this gets back to doing the best with what you have, they were concerned. They vocalized that they were concerned how other people would treat me. And it was very much like, it's not, about how other people are going to treat me and also it's not about you and your thoughts on that you need to acknowledge that you're the people that are treating me differently because yes. you're telling yourselves this isn't my best interest but you're actually doing the thing that makes you feel more comfortable with it instead right. of helping me feel more confident that my parents are being supportive of me showing up more authentically. I feel like it was such a critical growth moment for me to be able to say it to them because, you know, th that was 18 years prior. I had been holding on to this shit for a long yeah, time yeah. <laughs> and not even really able to address the why behind it for so long mm -hmm. because I never allowed myself to go that deep because I didn't want to be that uncomfortable thinking about it. Right. Yes. Yes. And I think the greatest gift that we can give to our children or our loved ones is the ability to think for yourself. I take the same approach as my mom did. I'm not going to let anything or anyone mess up that relationship that I have with them. But I have a daughter. She's my youngest. And her entire life, 
She has been, she just lives like she wants to. Now, if you compare us, the way I was raised was always, oh, well, Nicole, don't do that. They're going to think this way. Or what are you going to do if someone says X, Y, and Z? And I would think about that. And so it would stay in the back of my mind. But with this young lady of mine, Caitlin, one day she went to school. She's in elementary. She had stripes and then a bunch of polka dots. And this little boy, she's at school. And he's like, Caitlin, you're making me so dizzy. And she's like, oh, well. And she loved her little outfit. But she still lives that way. Recently, she went and got her hair done. And she had blonde and another color. I said, well, send me a pic. And she said, well, I don't know if I want to send it. And I was like, wait a minute. So when she said that, it makes me take a step back, like, well, what did I do wrong that you don't want to share with me? And she was like, well, well, the color is a little different. And so when she showed me, I was like, I love it. It looks great. Please don't ever, if I've done something I need right now, tell me what I need to do differently because I know who you are. All of my children are different, but I support you in being whoever it is that you want to be. I'm going to be there in your corner no matter what. It's just so important, like you say, that we make ourselves available. When we were growing up, there was no straight path to being a perfect parent, to having a perfect life. So give our kids that same flexibility and ability to discover, but don't make them have to do it alone. Give them that safe space where they can discover and find out what this life is and where they want to go with you. I feel so connected to that that perspective because especially as I've grown up, I've craved the closeness with my parents a lot more. When I was a teenager, I would classify myself as being having been a good kid. Like I did well in school. I played sports. I, I had extracurriculars, a lot of it because that's what like the expectation was. You do yeah. it all, you go to college, et cetera. And my mom, as much as she was a proponent of us having, I don't want to even say a specific life path. It was more if you are good at this and this is what you want to do then do that and so they navigated us being like yes we want to play this sport no we don't want to play this sport yes yeah. i want to do this thing no i don't want to do that thing and they drove us around all over god's creation <laughs> on every long weekend and every short weekend they had mm -hmm. so um you know they were very present and very willing to be there when I go back to that, the decisions that I was making in terms of how I was spending my time, it was ultimately decided by me, but that that path was more sort of the expected path. And I know that when I was growing up, my mom would frequently have conversations about the fact that not everybody needs to go to college or if you mm -hmm. want to go to a vocational school because That's people right. learn differently or have different interests, then that should be completely normalized and it should be accepted because we're not the same. And so it was always sort of interesting to me because I feel like my parents had a lot of awareness in that regard. And so societally speaking, we're very accepting and understanding of it. And so it wasn't that I felt like I didn't have other options, but it felt like this is the option you take because that's just what you do. You know, I don't regret the way that my life evolved and the fact that I went to college. I met some of my best friends there. My mom encouraged my sister to do a study abroad semester. And so when my dad told me that, I said, I'm so glad she did because then that inspired me. I wanted to go. And my dad said, your mom was so adamant that you girls, if you wanted to, did that because it's such a unique experience. You get to meet people of all different walks of life, go experience different cultures, go travel, go gain some of that independence that you need 
But it's interesting because I think that there's this this sensibility that was instilled in my parents about how you do things and what people's perception means in terms of your mm-hmm. life. And it's like they're open-minded people, but they were also part of, I think, a generational culture that really emphasized the sort of keeping up with the Joneses mentality mm-hmm. where you're doing what you're doing to compete, whether that's intentionally or not. And the way that that manifests, I think, with us as children is that you have these embedded biases or expectations that they don't really understand that they're creating Mm -hmm. as part of your upbringing or your culture. And it's something that I'm very cognizant of now in my 30s and I see my sister with her kids who are two and four and I see the evolution of that. I see Mm -hmm. how she tries to acknowledge their emotions in a way that is maybe less restrictive, less I'm the parent, you're the child. Now granted, again, I'm not a parent and (laughs) I understand the need sometimes to have that conversation. Like we need to regulate this, okay? (laughs) (laughs) I admire parents who are evolving with the knowledge of wanting to give their children a sense of self and expression that maybe we felt we didn't have. And to my parents' credit, they did that compared to their parents' generation, you know? Um, So then the further you go back, you're like, nobody talked about anything. And I feel like our generations are the ones who are like, we can't take it anymore, guys. we got to talk about it. Yes. From your perspective, do you see that also a bit in that dynamic with people who are an older generation and and that like mentality of it's a bit more competitive and not necessarily as much acknowledging like the emotional impact of that? Most definitely. Like you say, to their credit, our parents, I think they did the best that they could with what they had. And I know a lot of parents are doing the the very best that they can. And it comes from a place of love. We always want stuff that's better for our children. But for my situation, it was a lot of tension with my siblings because that competitiveness, of course, yes, on the outside, but my parents would always compare us to each other. Oh, well, so-and-so just bought a nice house, or this person just bought this car. And so it caused the tension amongst us, and they didn't know that's what they were doing. They thought they were motivating us to, to strive harder and to do better. And so I, that's what I always tell my own kids, especially because I do parent different. Now, there are times my kids know I don't play. I'll lay down the law. I'm very strict when it comes to certain things. But at the same time, I tell them, you have an opportunity to change whatever it is. I was not perfect. I don't have all the answers, but I tell them that constantly. I'm doing the best that I can. And then especially transitioning into this parent of an adult is really difficult because, you know, a lot of parents and I shared this with them when we were in school, a lot of parents, how do I get him or her to do X, Y, and Z, or they don't want to talk when they come home. You have to be intentional. And with my kids, I'm even now with them, one that's an an adult and the others that are in college, some people will sit back and say, I haven't heard from you. And you know, you should at least call me once a week. What's wrong with your phone? This person or this child has a job a life and kids, the same things you did before you retired. No, you're the one with all the time on your hand. How about you pick up that phone and start out? 
as much as you want to. And those are the type of parents I had. I would talk to my parents six and seven times a day. They didn't care. Hey, what are y'all doing now? Or they just pop up. But most parents, they don't do that. My kids are in college and I know their friends are like, is that your mama again? But you have to be intentional with those relationships because they want that. And just as much as they want that connection with you, my kids do more for me than they will ever know. And so I make it a point to make them a priority and I reach out, go in there, immerse yourself in their lives and you'll be thankful that you did because you'll have those memories that you'll look back on. They're busy living life, join in, become a part of that life. And so that's what I choose to do. When I think about my relationship with my parents, the moments where I feel like we didn't have great communication were the moments Mm -hmm. where they were uncomfortable with something that was going on in my life. And so it would be the mindset of don't ask, don't tell. But then it's like, then I don't want to talk because these are significant things that are impacting my life, whether it was relationship related, personal in another way, whatever it may have been, there was this feeling of if you're just going to sidestep the conversation deliberately because it makes you uncomfortable, then why am I talking to you? Because I feel like what we're doing is just completely ignoring something that's important to me for the sake of how you feel about it. Mm -hmm. And that conversation I mentioned that I had with my mom right before she passed, it was something that I had thought about for a really, really long time. And I had thought about different ways of trying to express it. And it took me years to get to a place to be able to do it in a way that I both felt would be effective. And also it it happened to be a bit organic. And also for me, wasn't coming from a place of anger or frustration that they weren't willing to listen. And learning that part of it was also my obligation, my duty as the child in the relationship to acknowledge that if they couldn't talk about it because they weren't being emotionally mature about it, I had to dial down my anger about it and find a way to approach it more maturely than they were able to. And then you get into the whole concept of, like you said, it's being a parent of an adult child and also being an adult child and having that relationship dynamic shift with your parents. Because even the other day I was visiting my dad and He had said something and it was my last night there. And I was like, dad, I've avoided this topic with you all week. And I just, I'm tired of you avoiding it. And I want to talk about it. And he started to get super uncomfortable. And was like, why, like, why it's like our last night. Why'd you have to say anything? I'm like, okay, like you can get defensive and feel upset about it. I could see the frustration, the anger building. And it's Mm -hmm. like, my dad's a pretty even keeled dude 98% of the time. And we get into this this heated argument where we're both basically, like I've lost my ability to control my frustration. And so we're both virtually shouting at each other. And I got to this place in the conversation where it just clicked in my brain. And I was like, I'm almost 37 years old. I need mm-hmm. to be the adult and we need to stop fighting like I'm a kid. And yes having that ability to step away from the moment for a second and look at it objectively and be like, this is not how we get to a place of resolution in this conversation. Mm -hmm. Um, And being able to call him out on it and have the mirror turned back Mm -hmm. around and be like, look at how you're behaving, you know, exactly. 
I'm wrong too. We both acknowledged it after the fact that we both handled it incorrectly. It was a learning experience. And when I did talk about that in therapy, my therapist was literally like, that's an, a really important moment to acknowledge as an adult. Mm -hmm. At some point, you have to acknowledge that you should be on level playing field because regardless right. of that parental child dynamic, you are both adult human beings who have opinions and feelings on things and you should mm -hmm. be able to talk about them. And I think that's really what you've established in the sentiment of what you're doing with your business, the output of what the content you're creating is and sharing with people and giving people really the space to say, hey, I'm not perfect. None of us are, but yeah. at the very least, we need to discuss the things that are happening in our lives and in our world that affect us because it contributes greatly to who we ultimately are and how we show up in the world and whether or not we're able to really build our lives with a foundation of authenticity instead of trying to search through the darkness for it and hope that you see the light at the end of the tunnel. Yeah. One thing I always share with my babies is that you teach people how to treat you. And even when they were younger, I would say that includes mommy. If you don't learn to have those courageous conversations with me, I'm supposed to be preparing you for the real world. And I guess sometimes to a fault that's backfired on me because they'll tell me anything. And I'm like, wait a minute. Now, I am the mom. I know that they are older, but they'll say, you said we can talk to you. You said that we can share things. So if you cannot have those courageous conversations with me, if you cannot stand up to me as your parent, how are you going to go out in the world and be able to do it to a total stranger? When you leave this world, you've got to be able to stand on your own two feet. And even my son, when he was younger, there was a situation with him dating some little girl. It was a long time ago. And his friend started messing with his girlfriend. And then I was like, he's not coming in this house. I don't like him. This he was like, mommy, he's coming over. We're going to go play and you're going to be good. There are going to be times that you don't like what's going on. You will have friends of mine that we have, we fall out with each other. That doesn't mean you fall out with them. That's for me. This is my friendship. I need you to just be there to support me through it. And I had to take a step back and I was like, wow, whose child is that? But it made sense. And so I had to give him that space to be mature enough and to develop with me standing by his side, but we teach people how to treat us. And as parents, we have to support our kids in that process. And that also means sometimes our children will become the teacher and we have to be the student. Oh, I love it. And I feel like that is such a great way to round out this episode. Nicole, <laughs> you have been such an amazing guest. I am so oh. grateful for your time and the conversation and for joining me today and sharing your positive energy and enlightened perspective with me and the listeners. I really appreciate you. I appreciate the message that you're putting out there. And I really can't emphasize enough how important it is to share that message as much as you possibly can. Oh, thank you so much for the opportunity. I think this is great. And I appreciate what you're doing. Thank you for your voice. Likewise. Thanks so much, Nicole. <laughs> you can check out Nicole's business at maintaintheflame.net. On her site, you can also find a few great products you might be interested in. 
as well as her social media presence that you're probably going to want to follow on TikTok. You are at Empty Nesters One for some fun and insightful content. And you can also find Nicole on Instagram at Maintain the Flame. So stay in the loop on Nicole's latest projects and perspectives because I am very excited to see where this message goes. Thank you. Truly appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Who the Fuck. And if you like what you hear, share the show with your friends, family, coworkers, or anyone else you think needs a healthy dose of introspection and raw authenticity. Feel free to rate and review wherever you get your podcasts. It's always appreciated. And you can also visit whothefck.com to check out more content. Plus, you can follow me on Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at whothefck underscore pod to keep up to date with what's new in my world and for exclusive bonus content. Catch you on the flip side.